Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our first reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Our second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Thanks be for the holy word of God. 
This is a busy scene, I think, at the banks of the Jordan because we know from the stories of the Bible and, and the stories around the Bible that John drew quite a crowd. He's Jesus' cousin of some sort. His mom, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mom, Mary, were, were cousins, so we're not sure how many times removed, but they're, they're kin, as they'd say in some parts of the country. They're family. And yet at the same time, John says, I didn't really know him for who he really is. Even though John, if you'll remember, in Elizabeth's womb was the first one who jumped for joy at the presence of Jesus when he heard his mom's voice, heard Mary's voice. He says, behold the Lamb of God. Well, that wasn't that common a phrase then for Jesus. And Lamb of God had several images in the ears of the Jewish community, or anyone who knew the Jewish scriptures, who heard it. Perhaps the first symbol, and we, we talk about it on Maundy Thursday or around the time of the Passover feast, the Lamb of God that was sacrificed before the exodus from Egypt. When each family and a family was too small, they gather with another family to, to have enough to, to devour a lamb. And the blood of the sacrifice of that spotless lamb was put on the doorposts and the lintel, if you're not an architect or an engineer, the cross piece above a door is the lintel. The, the posts are the ones up and down on the sides. And they marked it with the blood of the lamb. And the angel of death that passed over Egypt that night passed over, the Passover of those whose homes were marked with the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Of course, we know the lamb image later as the perfect sacrifice. It was a sacrifice as long as the temple was in place. In A.D. 70, stopped. I had a friend in, in New York City whose last name was Cohen, or in Hebrew, Kohen, and he says, yeah, I had to go to school to become an architect. Kohen means priest, but there's no temple to serve in anymore. I had to go find honest work. And the Kohanes, the priests, every morning and every evening sacrificed a spotless lamb for the sins of the people. We look ahead from this image to Calvary and know the spotless lamb sacrificed to take away the sin of the world. John didn't even have the whole story yet, but he knew enough to say that. Is when I baptized him, I saw the Spirit. Now, the Christian doctrine of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, it was still years away yet. Hadn't formed yet. So when John, good, good knowledge, good Jewish man that he was, and knows his faith, when he says the Spirit, he says, I saw the Ruach. I saw the very breath of of God, the very presence of God, descend upon him like a dove. Now, protected species is not a new thing. In the Holy Land at that time, except for very special sacrifices, doves were not to be hunted. They weren't a game animal. They weren't to be eaten 
they were protected and a beautiful beloved image of peace, even in that day, were all the doves in the Holy Land because they were protected. They were only for special purposes. Descended like a dove and remained on him. I hope that we've all had or will at some time have an event, a prayer. It's not necessarily in worship when you really feel the Holy Spirit. I have a few times that I can name in life. A couple of them terrified me. I could not live in that spirit, that intensity in this life. I pray I will someday, but wow. It was convicting, it was scary, it was calling, it was wonderful terror sometimes. But the spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism and we have great joy in the spirit at special events, but it remained with him and in him. So John saw beyond an ordination. He saw a literal inspiration of the Son of God. The temptation's done. or he go, He's going to go do the temptation right after the baptism. And then he starts the ministry. This is his inspiration by the Spirit to do that ministry. The other image of a lamb, by the way, less common, between the Old Testament and the New, there's a series of books, some traditions call it the Apocrypha, or it gets worse, the Deuterocanonical books, or the intertestamental writings. I just call them the books in between. They didn't make it into Hebrew scripture, so for churches like ours, they didn't make it into our scriptures. If they didn't count there, they don't count for us, except for history. In some of those books called the Maccabees, and if people tell you the God of the Old Testament was rough, they left out the Maccabees because they're too bloody and violent, the books are. There's some wild reading in there that I would not go to the movies to see. But part of that resulted in Hanukkah, the miraculous festival of lights, eight days on one day's ration of oil when they relit the, the, the lamps in the temple. But the image of a lamb was an image of a conquering leader, a lamb with horns, a baby goat, I don't know, premature sprouted lamb. Whenever I hear of the, the conquering hero lamb and the horn is a sign of power throughout Revelation with all those strange beasts, and the, by the way, the Lamb of God is a, a power image, a victorious image. John uses 29 times in the book of Revelation. So it's very important to John. Remember, he's writing this too. I picture something called Jacob's sheep. If you've ever taken a child to Davis farmland down in Sterling, they have Jacob's sheep running loose all over. And it's a good thing they're, they're pretty peaceful critters because they grow anywhere from two to six horns. If you can picture two from the head, two from the lower jaw, and two from the side of the face, that's what a full-grown Jacob sheep looks like with spots. As I said, it's a good thing they're kind of Pacific creatures because with that many horns, they could raise havoc in the barnyard. But that's, that horn is an image of power. So John, I don't know how versed he was in the books of the Maccabees, is also saying, here's the victorious lamb. If you ever see a, in a lot of iconography a symbol of 
a lamb on his feet holding a banner, that's the victorious lamb. That's the lamb of God from the book of Revelation. And apparently Jesus stayed by the river a little while because the next day, John is standing with two of his disciples. John had drawn a gathering here. Those who wanted the baptism and wanted to hear, how do we avoid sin? How do we improve our lives with God? And John, story was told when there were some election troubles in the country. Anybody remember the term hanging chads? A little bit. Sad image, but okay. There was a Saint Chad who was a bishop in Europe who took over as a bishop when the previous bishop kind of got his nose in a hitch and left for a while and Chad was appointed to be the bishop. The other guy came back and demanded the crozier back, demanded the throne back. He says, I want my job back. It's rightfully mine. And Chad humbly said, here, my brother, if it's yours, take it. No fight, no agita, no, I got the job now, you ran out on it. John says, here's the one. I came to know him. I came to point him out. I came, and he sent his own disciples away to his cousin. Traveling rabbis didn't do that. I mean, you lived off of a, a class of students here. You don't send them away and give up the support, and give up the teaching, and give up your numbers lightly, yet John was ready to stand in second place to his cousin. Behold the Lamb of God, he says again. Two disciples look at each other and said, thanks, John. Off they go. They're following Jesus down the road. Now, Jesus is probably not unaccustomed to crowds following him, although they didn't really start it up yet. Who are these guys? A couple of rough-looking Galilean fishermen back here. And we're told later in a story that, that one of them was this guy, guy named Andrew, who was another second-place guy, because before he goes to Jesus, he goes and gets his big brother Simon. And ever thereafter, Simon Peter is one of the inner three of the twelve. Andrew isn't. He could have felt left out and resentful. There's no record of that. Simon Peter becomes the head of the, the church council at the first home church in Jerusalem. Andrew's bumping along supporting, not meant to be in a lead role. Rabbi, where are you staying? And John, very considerate of him. Rabbi is Aramaic or Hebrew, and it means my great one. It would come to mean teacher, but it means one who is greater than I, literal. That's how they addressed a teacher. And he had to add in parentheses, which means didaskalos for the Greek readers, because he wrote this in Greek for the whole known world. So he had a little courtesy there. Rabbi. Oh, by the way, that's didaskalos. That's teacher. Come and see. This is a very important time for John. You've heard that I've, I've said to confirmation classes in the past when I said, 
Why did Pontius Pilate get named in the Apostles' Creed? Why do we pick on Pontius Pilate? There are a lot of people involved. It's because it pins it to a time and place. It's not just a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's not once upon a time in a little kingdom in the woods. It was in Galilee, and John adds, we went to where he was staying at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Why would you include a detail like that? unless it was so important to you that you remembered the place and the time that you were called to follow. He finds Simon and says, we found the Mashiach. Well, again, he's got to add a note for the Greek readers. Mashiach means anointed one. In Greek, so does Christos, the Christ. Same word. So he puts another parenthesis. If they used parentheses in Greek, he'd have had them. They didn't. So he brings him to Jesus. Jesus, with that prescience that only God has, looks at him and says, oh, you're Simon Barjona. While Simon is still puzzling, how the heck did you know that, Lord? How did you know that, Rabbi? He says, I'm going to call you Cephas, or as it is in Aramaic, Kepha. If you've ever seen the passion of the Christ, you hear Jesus calling out to his friend, Kepha, Kephas, means rock. Peter, you speak French, it's Pierre. In Greek, it's Petros, but this is the rock. And he explains later what that's going to mean. Sometimes we have two names, and that world is very common. You had the name that your family and neighbors called you, in Simon's case, in Aramaic, dialect of Hebrew, I guess there's 100,000 or so people who still live in Aramaic every day. But then you have another name that you used in the marketplace or in business or in commerce or in travel because not everybody speaks Aramaic, now or then. Now you might have the English equivalent. Back then, you had a Greek equivalent. Well, Jesus gave him a new one. Like God changed Avram to Abraham. Like God changed Jacob to Israel, Jesus changes this Simon Bariona and watching the Gospels ever hereafter. When he calls him Simon, it's usually because Peter stuck his foot in his mouth again. He says, Lord, you don't have to go through this. Satan, get behind me. Simon, you're misbehaving. When he's behaving himself, he tends to call him Peter the name of the rock, the new name, the name on which you'll be built. John points the way to the one. Tells us who he is pretty clearly, at least for John's language, Lamb of God, Son of God, the sacrifice, the Savior, takes away the sins of the world, all this in one short day. The disciples model who Jesus is when they say, Rabbi, Rabbi, the one who is greater than I, teacher. Can we come with you? Come and see. Jesus still says, come and see. He may have a new name for us. He certainly has a new name. We each have a new name in Christ. Daughter, son, beloved, 
redeemed, saved. We have a lot of new names in Christ. He may, he may give us a new name in a heart, if not for use in the marketplace. But he says, come and see. Can I echo the children's message without making us all childish? Childlike, yes, not childish. We're in a place now. Maybe you hear it through the tunes and lyrics of psalms or choir. Maybe you hear Christ through a prayer. More likely you hear him through the reading of scripture and then a little bit of an echo when the preacher is being faithful. You hear it echoed a little bit there too. Jesus says, come and see. Read the stories again with imagery. We have another medium now. If you want to watch The Chosen or there's, I know, another, another video of the life of Jesus that's very faithful to Scripture, but it puts voice and face and imagery. I love to read for that purpose, but it helps sometimes when someone else helps me with the imagery a little bit. And the series The Chosen or the, the Jesus Film Project that are faithful to Scripture. Check them against Scripture. Come and see. They help to show to help us to come and see. We provide a place for the children to come and see when we have a Sunday school. Church without a Sunday school to raise the little ones needs to spend a longer children's message up here. I, hope, I think they have a better time when we send them out, honestly. Come and see. One of the Psalms says, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus says, come and you shall see Let's open our hearts, our minds, our ears, our willingness, and come to Jesus to see and to learn. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.